Today's sermon title is titled, Can We Argue with God? There's a postscript to that title, and that is, Who do you think's going to win an argument with God? Do we have the right to challenge God? Does God want us to question or even argue with God? Does God want us to doubt what we can know of God? Does God want us to question how we are to live our daily lives following the life and ministry of Jesus Christ? I think the answers to all of those questions is yes. We find support for those answers in the Bible itself. We find many people who argued with Jesus and argued with God. People like Abraham, Moses, Job, and from today's Old Testament text, Jacob's argument with God that escalated into an actual physical fight with God. In the New Testament, we find Jesus arguing with God, briefly in the Garden of Gethsemane and shortly before he dies on the cross, where he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The disciples were constantly arguing with Jesus. Many times Jesus felt they just did not get it. One of the most vivid depictions of someone arguing with God is that of Jacob from the book of Genesis that you heard in our first scriptural reading. The background of that story is that Jacob and Esau were brothers. Jacob was not a particularly loving and caring brother because he had stolen Esau's rights as a firstborn son to inherit everything from their father. He had also tricked their father into giving him the one blessing for the son. Then, fearing for his life, he flees Canaan to the east. Now, after about 20 years and some serious problems with his then-in-laws, Jacob once again flees and wants to come back to Canaan, his homeland. However, there was a problem. He remembered what he had done to his brother Esau, who was now a mighty warrior. And he was panicked and in mortal terror of him. That fear was made all the worse when he was told just before crossing the Jordan into Canaan that Esau was coming with 400 men. It was just at that time that a stranger intervened in the life of Jacob and blocked his path to go to his homeland, to go to Canaan. In response, Jacob did an extraordinary thing. Despite all the fear he had of his brother, he did not run away from the stranger, but decided to fight the stranger in order that he could return home even though there was mortal danger awaiting him. The fight was no ordinary fight. It obviously lasted for hours. It appears, at the beginning anyway, that the fight was basically a draw. Until the stranger hit Jacob on the hip and dislocated the hip. If any of you have had a dislocated hip, you know that hurts a lot. Once that happened, we begin to see just who Jacob was wrestling with. Because the stranger wanted the fight to end before daylight. The significance of this fact is, according to the Hebrew beliefs at the time, 
if you were ever to see the face of God, you would instantly die. At this point, Jacob realized who he was fighting because despite a significant injury and the threat of imminent death, he told God that he would not let go of God until he had received God's blessing. In response to this demand, Jacob received a new name from God, Israel, the translation of which means one who struggles with or for God. Then after even more requests and a continued refusal to let go of God, Jacob finally receives God's blessing. And the abbreviated version of the rest of the story is he then returns to Canaan and, much to his surprise, is forgiven and warmly greeted by his brother. That's quite a dramatic story. That is, it is of one man not just arguing with God, but literally fighting physically with God and not stopping until he receives God's blessing. In doing so, he challenged the power of God, he challenged the presence of God, and he challenged the application of his faith in God. We also see God's desire for us to argue with God through the teachings of Jesus. Many times Jesus taught by using a method called parables. A parable is a story told in a way that all the listeners can understand. In fact, they are usually stories taken from people's everyday lives. However, a parable is not just a story out of everyday life. It also contains a deep spiritual truth which Jesus wishes to convey through the parable. I think God wants to argue and wants us to argue and wrestle with the parables of Jesus to find the spiritual truth they each contain. To do so helps us understand in a more meaningful way what God's intentions are for our lives. An example is the parable told by Jesus in our second scriptural passage. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and still find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put fertilizer on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. When one reads this parable, one might be tempted to argue. Say, what? What is that all about? A fig tree that bears no fruit for three years, of course, should be cut down. Then a gardener wants to give it one more chance based on digging around it and putting fertilizer on it. What does that mean? What is the significance of this parable? What deeper truth does it hold? One of the best ways to come to a better understanding of God, including the parables of Jesus, is to attend one of the Bible study classes that are offered here. The members of such a class seek to understand the meaning of specific verses from the Bible. They also frequently discuss how their brand new understanding can be applied in their everyday 
lives. The process involves frequently very, very lively discussions involving different views and different interpretations of meaning. But at the end of the class, the participants frequently have a deeper and better understanding of just what the inspired word of God means to them. That process is exactly what God wishes us to take. God expects us to question the concepts of Christianity and conduct a thorough investigation of them through studying them. Following the process that is typically done in a Bible study class, we might ascertain that there are analyses out there that are done by biblical scholars, one of which for this particular parable is the tree represents the barrenness we sometimes all feel in our lives. We can all relate to such barrenness in a season of our lives, whether it relates to the devastation wrought by a serious disease upon those directly or indirectly in its course, losing employment or becoming homeless, a family disintegrating because of divorce, the loss of a loved one, either suddenly or over a battle over a long period of time because of the battle with the illness. However, the gardener represents the hope that can come through Jesus Christ. Because the fig tree has no hope in putting forth its own fruit, the gardener who tends the tree becomes crucial. Perhaps the gardener is one and the same as the teller of the parable. Jesus. Jesus brings about a resurrection in people when all hope is lost. Jesus asks us to turn our lives over to God, even in times of barrenness. But that's not all. Jesus Christ will cultivate us, like the fig tree, towards living a hope-filled life and enable us to bear fruit by sharing that hope with others. Now, how can we conclude that this meaning or some other meaning for this parable may be the message of this parable? We do so only by arguing with it, questioning it, wrestling with it, and seeking to understand it. This is not a new concept to any of us. Think about the last time we really wanted to learn about something that was difficult for us to understand. For me, that certainly was high school algebra. That was a toughie. Then came the law and all its implications. Then came theological and ministerial concepts. I learned to become a licensed minister. And on the lighter side, fly fishing, big boat sailboat racing, and helicopter skiing. There's also a difficult pastime that many people in this congregation follow, and that is called Mahjong. All of these activities are examples of things that we found difficult to grasp at first. But if we really wanted to understand them, we kept at it and overcame the arguments of, I don't get it. I'll never understand it. Why is this so difficult? But we continue to try to understand and eventually we got it, or at least we got enough of it, so that the activity became a part of our lives 
and we actually enjoyed it. Understanding God and the life and teachings of Jesus about God is similar to those activities. We need to question them. We need to argue about them. We need to investigate them and thereby come to an understanding about them so that they will have real meaning for our lives and the way we live our lives. Now, arguing frequently is a part of religious life. A priest, a minister, and a rabbi were arguing about who was the best at their job. To resolve that argument, they said, okay, we're all going to go out and try to convert a bear. So they go into the woods to do so. On their way back to where they started, the priest and the minister run into each other. The priest says, when I found the bear, I started by reading to him the Bible and sprinkled him with, gold, with, with holy water, and next week is his first communion. The minister says, I started out by finding a bear by the stream and preached God's holy word. The bear was so mesmerized with what I had to say, he let me baptize him. When both of them got back, they saw the rabbi being attended to by paramedics. And he was obviously severely injured. They asked him, what happened? And he responded, well, looking back, maybe I should not have started with the circumcision. (laughs) Smart decision. An area in which God expects us to argue, to question, and thereby seek a better understanding of God through Jesus Christ is in the day-to-day living of our lives. I'll start off by asking how many of us thought we were arguing with ourselves when we got up this morning to get out of bed and come to church. I believe who we were really arguing with that time, at that time was with God. It's okay to be missed this Sunday. Look at the weather. I can miss it on a day like this, right? It's got to be okay to miss one Sunday. One Sunday. I usually sit way in the back, so no one will really miss me. We're thinking we're arguing with ourselves, but we're really arguing with God. Dealing with another area. Some would say that Jacob decided to fight with God because he knew it was his destiny to return to Canaan. How many of us have felt the call of God to fulfill some destiny, but then argued with those feelings because of the pull of our own personal lives? How many of us have wanted to make a difference in this world, but then argued with the desire because we don't have the time, we don't have the qualifications, we don't have the resources? It is when we argue about fulfilling our God-given destiny that we are really arguing with God. What about the times we encounter someone who is physically or emotionally ill? We know as Christians we have the responsibility to aid the sick. But many of us have argued with thoughts like, do I really want to get involved with this person? They're so needy. I'll never be able to help them. I don't want to get too close because I don't want to get what they've got. Who are we arguing with? We're arguing with 
God. What about the last time we had the opportunity to share our faith with someone else? We have direct instructions from Jesus to spread the message of the very good news. Did we argue that we were too embarrassed to discuss our faith? Or thinking that it was not cool to do so? Did we make the argument that the other person would not be interested, so why even talk about our faith? Did we argue that we're inadequate to discuss Christian beliefs? Or perhaps we argued that we were superior to the other person and did not think they could understand or appreciate Christian faith and God. Once again, who were we arguing with? Yep, we were arguing with God. In all the situations of everyday life, just getting out of bed in the morning, following our destiny, helping those who come across us that are suffering from illness or financial loss, or the opportunity to share our faith, and so many more. It's just fine to argue with God about, quote, having to do it. Why do I have to do this? Because you are a follower of Jesus Christ and believe in God. But the goal of the argument, investigation, the wrestling we do, is to discover what is God's will for us in that situation. The questions we should be asking in the argument are, I want to do what I want to do in this situation, God, but am I supposed to follow your will? Or, God, what do you want me to do? Respond as Jesus Christ would? We discover that the answers to those questions are yes. So having faith in God means that we are free to ex- and expected to challenge God. God wants us to question the evidence of God and the everyday living of our faith. In doing so, we will better understand God and come closer to God. With that understanding and closeness, we will have the ability to serve God in a much better way than we ever have before. Oh, by the way, the question about who wins an argument with God, I'm going to leave the answer to that question to you. Wrestle with it. Argue with God about it. Seek to have a better understanding of God through it. In that process, you will deepen your faith in God, deepen your relationship in God, and bring God into every aspect of your life. Start arguing. Amen.